Bueller, 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 Bueller. Good morning. Tip, tip of the cap to tip of the tip. Be cat, just the cat, just cats. Cats, tip. cats, the cats. Tip. Tip of the cap. Terry Wilson. He's gonna throw. Conrad. Touchdown, Kentucky. Touchdown, Kentucky. <laughs> Victory, Kentucky. Like, give your fans what they want, you dinguses. She probably smokes marijuana. Bad, bad girl. They, Rubbish. There's buggers <laughs> over here. Back outside. This is the point where he always hits it. Oh! Aaron Harrison beyond belief. We did it. We beat those British We bastards. beat the British. Suck it, Cornwallis. Ten kids. You're basically pregnant for 20 years. Pregnant or breastfeed. Just wild. Like, that sounds exhausting. Potheads. What an adorable... What an adorable bunch of people. Woodson from the gun. Play fake. Step it up. He's throwing deep down the near sideline. He's got Johnson. 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Kentucky. Jesus, Rash, get it together. Yeah, it's game day. Come on. Welcome to Kentucky Roll Call with Walker and Roush. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. October 26, 2022. You're listening to Kentucky Roll Call here on Big Ed Sports Radio. 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. TJ Walker and Justin Kalen here to start your Wednesday morning. A little delayed on the roll call there, Scooter. I have to wait for you to say roll call, no? I'm still trying. If we're being honest, I'm still trying to get the timing of it down. Well, you were also pretty late on just responding to that sentence as well. Are you delayed? Really? I, I, it's not delayed in my ear. No, it's delayed for you. You don't think the roll call was delayed? You thought that that was an appropriate time to roll call? Yeah, yeah. On my end, it was. Yeah, I mean, but like I said, I'm, I'm, my timing's not down on it. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a roll call expert. I mean, look, we even had the texter text in earlier this week said I was terrible at it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't recall the text. I think you're fine at it. Uh, I just I just wanted to make sure we're not on a delay, although you've been more prompt to respond since uh, over the last 45 seconds. So that's good. Huh. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard a delay at all. So, Oh, you were certainly delayed on the roll call. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts hmm. about it. And then that first sentence was delayed, but no big deal. No, we're good. You sound great. You sound great. You sound great. You sound great. <laughs> You sound great. Uh, all right. No, it's a little chillier outside this morning. We got some much-needed rain yesterday. Probably could have used more of it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But uh, what we got, we'll take. But that brought in a cold front, so it's going to be a little chillier as you head out this morning. I think it's currently like 46, 48 degrees somewhere in that ballpark. So oh, it's that cold? It didn't feel that cold. You're a tough guy, though, Scoots. And maybe it's just your, your new housing is warmer, so when you left the house, you were feeling warmer instead of feeling cold. Or my blood is probably just thicker now since when I left Florida. That that's that's probably what it is. That was that was my second guess as well. So uh, I think that's probably it. No, it's yeah, it's pretty chilly, and it's not going to get much warmer today. I think it's like the high is like fifty-five. So it's going to be a little chilly today, and then <laughs> and then we kind of get back to more similar to what we've been as of late. I just want to go ahead. We're not technically. I mean, obviously, we're not technically done with fall. We won't 
technically be done with fall until December, what, 21st, I think, is when yep. winter officially begins. That's how the seasons work, which is kind of silly. But, yeah, I didn't come up with it, so don't blame me. But go ahead and put this fall into the fall of fame, if you ask me. This has been, I think, by far the best fall that I could ever remember. What? It's been pretty much like amazing weather. I don't know, 90% of the days since like early September. And the only complaint, and it's a pretty big one, granted, is the lack of rain. But I don't own a farm. I don't have to have rainfall. So I'm making out okay. Yes, I do wish there was more rain. But besides that, I can't remember from a temperature standpoint, Scoots, a more pleasant fall. It's been amazing. I I just, I don't know that I agree with you on that, if we're being honest. I, I, I mean, we, if you say we're, if if we're being honest one more time, I'm going to (laughs) reach through the computer screen and pick your nose. (laughs) No. So I I don't know. There's been days where it's felt great, but I don't think overall as a whole, it's been just this one great season. How so? Like you think the weather's been bad? It's been a little too cold for my liking in terms when it comes to fall. I mean, I don't, I don't think we've had enough. 70s days and we've had far too many times where it's already dipped into the high 30s low 40s for me that's not that's not fall weather i want like lows of 50 highs of 75 in the fall like it's just gotten too cold uh, scoots man you are uh, you are a gym this morning temperature in the 40s not too cold but it felt okay. Presumably, temperatures in the 40s, too cold. But So I'm already in the mindset, though, that falls over, and we're, like, turning the calendar to winter here. So when I walk outside this How? morning, it was I'm thinking... It was 78 degrees yesterday. That's true, yeah. But I was, it, in, I was inside all day, so I, I forgot how beautiful it was yesterday. Yesterday been, was awesome. It's been, like, in the 70s again. It, it seems like we've touched 70s going back to, like, September 1st. It seems like, I don't know. 90% of the days we've been in 70s. Sometimes we've gotten into the 80s, which, you know, I prefer 70s, but not going to complain about 80s either. There's, there was the one, that one cold front that yeah. came for about three days, four days, where, like, the highs were in the 60s, and it was a little windy, but, like, that's fall weather. That's how you go. That's apple-picking weather, Scoots. Yeah, you know, thinking back on it, it was probably that one week that really spurned me, and so I've got this whole negative connotation of fall now from this season. But it, it was, in reality, it was just four or five days. So I'll, I'll agree. I, I'm wrong. I'm ignorant. It, it's been a great fall, but not not the best in my life. Hmm. I, I I don't. I can't think of one better. If the if if I could hit a button again, the rain thing makes it maybe slightly tricky. But if I could hit a button and say, "Give me this fall every single fall of my life," I'd hit it. A matter of fact, I I, I think if you if I could guarantee this fall weather. Fall moves to number one in my season power rankings. Which wow. It, it, it really hovers anywhere between one and three. Summer comfortably lasts. Anybody that's listened to Kentucky Roll Call for an extended period of time knows I feel that way about summer. And then it kind of just rotates to whichever has the best weather between spring, fall, and winter. If you take out weather entirely and you just go by sports or social events or other things going on, then it gets a little tough. If we're, it, it, I, things get a little chat. I still think you probably default to fall. If you take weather out of the equation entirely and you just go by stuff going on, 
you get football in the fall, basketball starts up, MLB playoffs. And I've always been a spring guy, but I usually default to spring. One, love March Madness. Two, I usually think spring has the best weather season in Kentucky. But no denying how great things have been the last couple weeks here. 13 degree temperature change in the last 24 hours, Scoots. Jeez. Here's Little, Rock, Little Rock, Arkansas, 23 degree here's, temperature change. Here's a hot take for you. If we take temperature and weather out of the equation, winter is probably my favorite. Which I, winter's last on my power rankings, as yeah, KRC and, listeners know. As I was going through that in my head, I, I was I was thinking winter, yeah, maybe first, probably better than spring. If again, if you're taking out weather, I like cold, so winter doesn't really bother me much, anyways. And I think we have generally mild winters in Kentucky, or at least mm-hmm. in Louisville. So you're right. I mean, you get the holidays, you get to see family, you get to see friends. There's not as much work in the winter, which is always a good time. You do you get football, exciting postseason football, meaningful NFL games. Not uh, you get the playoffs eventually once the year turns. Obviously, college basketball is rocking and rolling. Yeah, I agree with that. Now that you now that you mention it, Scoots, I think you're right. Wow, that's that's a rarity. That's not true. <laughs> you're wrong about that. <laughs> I was saying rarity that you agree with me. <laughs> no, I, I, no I, was, I was just joking. I was, I was just joking. All right, we'll move on from the weather. There's a lot to talk about today, but remember Thornton's, if you think it's too chilly for you, Thornton's has some coffee. If you love the weather, then celebrate by getting yourself a donut. Whatever you do, we want to hear from you on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450, 502-414-1450. If you're wondering, well, let's finish out that, that, the, the weather talk. Halloween forecast. Looks like it's going to be a little windy, a chance of rain, high of 66. Just probably will depend on if it rains or not, depending on if that weather is good or bad, because the high of 66 is fine. That's that's probably a little bit higher on average. But, Scoots, everybody needs to know their forecast for trick-or-treating. And let me just go ahead and get this out there. You see it every year. I get it. I know there are some places that do it a little bit differently. But don't ask what night your neighborhood is doing trick-or-treating. <laughs> trick-or-treating is on Halloween. Exactly. Halloween this year, believe it or not, Scoots actually falls on the 31st. So mm-hmm. uh, Halloween is on 10-31. And as it's been for the last, I don't know, 100 years, 150 years, maybe in some places, uh, that's when the trick-or-treating will, will take place on but, the 31st because that's when Halloween is. But that's a school night. We have to do it on Saturday. <laughs> That's a good voice. I like your your nerdy voice. I think the only way you make exceptions is if, like, hey, it's going to be severe weather. We can't do it this night. Let's either do it the next night or the, the night before. But assuming the weather is even just, like, tolerable, even flat out maybe bad, don't be the person asking what night is trick-or-treating. Yeah. It's the 31st. That's when you go out there. That's when you expect trick-or-treaters that's when you go trick-or-treating. Speaking of Halloween, I got a little bit of a bone to pick with you. Okay. Pick so it. I am, I was flabbergasted for, I think, the third year in a row now. Got an invite to the old TJ Walker Spooktacular. Is that, that's what you call it, right? Spooktacular? Oh, that's a spooky party, but sure. Oh, okay. I thought I remember Spooktacular. But anyways. It, goes, it, has, it has a lot of different names. People talk is, about it all over. Is Will there ever be a year it's not on a Friday? Because I just, I mean, to be frank with you, buddy, I won't be able to make it on a Friday, ever. 
Oh gosh. Well, th- now you're not being honest with me. You're being frank with me. So we're making some improvements on that. But you're, you're still holding your in- integrity. And I just, I, I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, while we've had seven years of the party, I would say that five of them have been on Saturdays. So yes, they will be on Saturdays, including last year was on a Saturday. Yeah. And, that ta- uh, I, I was thinking that take me age bad because I'm pretty sure last year's was on Saturday. I, 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 we, we, we don't do them on Fridays when we don't have to. And uh, this year, UK playing a game at Tennessee. I figured that one was going to be a night game. U of L is at home. Uh, I think they play Wake Forest, which is a pretty huge game for them in their own right. That one's at three thirty, so could have could have maybe been okay there. I think it's at three thirty. I need. To, I'm pretty sure it's at three thirty. And then there's a concert. My morning jackets playing downtown at the Um Center, and I know several people personally that are going. And there's probably some people that I didn't know that are going, that are going. So I am, uh, so we had to, we had to do it Friday, but we also talked about doing it last week as well and doing it on Saturday last week, but whatever, it's going to have to be on a Friday. Scoots just come after. I mean, that'll be like 1130. No, you don't get done with high school games at 1130. I, I wouldn't be there till after 1030. I promise. Well, 10, 10 30, 11 30 is a little bit different. If you're, if you're feeling up for a party move, you go ahead and you shoot me a text after you get done. Right. Wh- which sectional do we have this weekend? I will be at Charlestown. So a little bit of a drive. Are they the Pirates? They are the Pirates. Yeah. Nicely done. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, for the radio audience that certainly doesn't care about my weekend plans, there you have it. Scoot's weekend plans as well. Uh, it's UK Tennessee game week. And, Scoot, I've been thinking about this game pretty much all week. And I'm just hoping I'm not going to get my hopes up. I, I thought you were going with the Tom Crean route. I've been thinking about this game a lot, a whole lot. A whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that, that applies here. I have. It's, I don't know if it's just because I think part of it is UK coming off a of bye week that it feels like it's now been months than, since I've seen UK play football. And also on top of it, I, I think my excitement level has grown because the last time we did get to see UK play f- football scoots, it was probably their, their best performance all, all around on the season. Maybe mm-hmm. you could make a case for the game down in the swamp, but that was a huge one for Kentucky. We needed to see the Cats bounce back. They did it after an ugly first half. They put the clamps down. In the second half, the offense looked good in the second half. So I've really been itching for this game. And then you throw in the added the added flavors of its arrival. It's Tennessee. And they are having their best season they've had, debatably, in over two decades. So you, you get a chance to play spoiler. You get a chance to derail a rival's dream season. And you still can kind of keep some, some big-time dreams alive for yourself in the process. Yes, Kentucky is double-digit underdogs. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the money has been – well, I don't know. I was going to say I think the money has been coming on Kentucky. I thought I heard that somewhere. But the line – I got it at 14 when we were talking about it, I don't know, this time last week. And I think it's gone down, Scooch, because I saw it at 13, although I'm getting an update on it this morning. So I'll get back to you here in a moment on it. But uh, it's a it's a tough spot for Kentucky, but I, I look at it more as a golden opportunity to really make some huge waves. Everybody would be talking about that game if the Cats could pull the upset and lead all the college football shows Saturday night, Sunday morning. It's a huge opportunity for UK. And as we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about later today as the show goes on, 
we like the way it sets up for Kentucky. Yeah, it's down to 12 and a half. So I, you'd wow. think that means maybe the money's coming in on, on Kentucky here uh, over under 63 and a half, by the way. And you could get UK on the money line plus 370. So if you think wow. Kentucky is going to pull the upset, that is some sweet juice there. If it that, uh, That's if, worth a stab. I think I think so too. Three seventy, you know, you put you put fifty bucks on that, you could win. Let me do the math real quick. Hundred and thirty-five dollars. So not not too bad. No, it'd be like a hundred and eighty something. Uh, would it be a hundred and eighty something? Yeah, if you're betting fifty, you got three seventy, so you're getting one fifty. Oh, I did two. I did two seventy like a dingus. Mm. Good job, Scoots. Correcting me on my math. This game, though, for me, TJ, has been... 185. This game's been really interesting for me to watch the past couple of weeks, how this is setting up. Because you you take Tennessee in the preseason, and everybody's saying, oh, that, that's a very winnable game, no problem. And then they go and beat Alabama. Meanwhile, Kentucky is has had already had lost to South Carolina. But people forget they... Will Levis didn't play in that game, but that just goes to show you what a win over Alabama can do because now it's kind of like the tides have turned and we look at the spread and that, that tells us all we need to know as well. I mean, 13 or 12 and a half, whatever it is, that's, that's such a big momentum shift with just one win over Alabama. Yeah. And like it's Alabama when you've been at the absolute dominant program for over a decade now, it's going to carry some weight. It was a wild atmosphere. It was the most watched college football game of the season. Scoots. It doesn't. It doesn't surprise me a ton, but I mean, it was a good win. And but I. But I think you're right to at least qu- call it into question a little bit, or at least put it under the microscope, because Alabama nearly lost to Texas A&M. Should have probably lost to Texas A&M. And granted, Alabama didn't have their Heisman winning quarterback in that game. Mm-hmm. But it's still Texas, you know. Like I think this is a more flawed Alabama team than we've seen in previous years. I still think they're awesome. I still think they could win the national championship. But I don't think they're as good as as previous Alabama teams. And we've seen them kind of stumble or play some teams closer than I think some people were anticipating. And then you you always are going to get in trouble if you kind of do the the transitive property looking at schedules comparing this game versus, versus that game but this is a Tennessee team that I do think is playing its best football right now and that matters but they went to overtime with Pittsburgh and while it was a road game in Pittsburgh anybody that was at that game or if you saw shots of the crowd it was really a neutral site game Tennessee Filled Pittsburgh. They went to overtime with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, not a good team. And Pittsburgh, again, they've had injuries and, and, their, and their season's kind of changed a little bit since that game as well. But uh, Tennessee played Florida at home. Was got up, got up, had a decent lead in that game, but gave it away. And Florida had a chance to win it on the road. And Kentucky took care of business against Florida on the road. So you, you can have some fun with that if you want and look at the schedule um, and and think that Kentucky probably should have a better chance than a 13 point spread, a 12 and a half point spread would seem to indicate. And I think that kind of goes along with what we've all been saying for at least the, the last few days this week. And even when we peaked ahead last week that we feel good about Kentucky's chances. I think the schedule can line up to, to favor that. 
I, I think the fact UK is coming off a bye week and is relatively healthy, I just think the way that these teams match up, I think is if you're going to if you're going to go against the best offense in college football, Scoots, you may as well have one of the better defenses in college football to go up against it, right? Uh, yeah, you're right, and I'm glad you brought up the health aspect of things because this line honestly feels like Will Levis or Chris Rodriguez is out. You know, like that's the only reason that the line should be the way it is. I mean, I, I personally don't understand the line. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it's Tennessee's the number three ranked team in the country. It, they're it's on the road. It's a big game for them. They have the best offense in the nation. I do understand the line. I'm just going to take advantage of it and bet Kentucky. I understand why That's it's smart. as many points as it is. I just, I'm. This is a chance that I think maybe some inside information scoots. We could, we could win big. You know, potentially if if Kentucky is the team we think and it's the matchup we think and the game goes the way that we think it's going to go. Uh, I do understand it at least from a better standpoint. And people are going to look at that UK loss to South Carolina and. But, yeah, I don't know. I think a good amount of people will know that, yeah, well, Kentucky didn't have its quarterback. It was just a kind of a train wreck of a game. They they were playing a redshirt freshman that wasn't really all, you know, that didn't really – had zero experience and struggled, obviously. But a lot of people are going to look at that and just be like, oh, Kentucky lost at home to a mediocre South Carolina team? Ooh, that's – yeah, I'll take Tennessee. People that was a scoreboard watch will or schedule watch. They will they'll 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 bet Tennessee. They'll think that line's probably too small. Though they put up fifty two points on Alabama, they'll put up sixty on Kentucky. People will think so. I, I do I do understand it, but um, I think it's wrong, and that, you seem to think it's wrong. So that's good news. That South Carolina win doesn't look so or loss doesn't look so bad now with them entering the top twenty five, huh? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that they entered the top twenty-five, but not no. not necessarily a huge surprise. Uh, did you see the reports from Texas A&M? Uh, they have. I saw they have three guys that are have been suspended indefinitely, but I didn't see what for any of that. Now, yeah, I think South Carolina got up like fourteen nothing in that game almost instantly. I, I did bet South Carolina, and I I did win my bet, but uh, supposedly multiple Texas A&M players have been suspended for allegedly smoking weed and getting high in the locker room right before the loss to South Carolina. Right before the loss? That's what the alleged report says. What? What are we doing? Coming from Outkick the Coverage, or at least the the article that I I linked. I'll I'll never understand these college athletes. Like You all are handed a golden ticket to get to the next level and play in the NFL, and you just do something boneheaded like that. Like, Like, wait till after the game, doofuses. I, it's a it's a it's a hard to believe story. If we're if if you're taking like how how could players get away with lighting up in the locker room? Right. Like why there, there would be several people that were jumping on top of them. Like what are you all doing? And maybe maybe it was maybe it was edibles. Maybe that they had partook in some gummies or something along those lines. Uh, maybe it was a vape potentially. But when you put the wording smoking weed, you usually think of like the green, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, that's the way at least I take it. It, it. Yeah. I think you'd vaping THC. Um, gosh, that sounds old when you put it that way. Hmm. <laughs> but, uh, 
but like the uh, the audacity just to light up Scooch that does seem a little bizarre and brave. It is bizarre. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> any anywhere on campus, any campus building would not be a great place to light up. But I don't know the locker room. That just feels like the worst place. You know, like that's where you would not expect there to be weed smoke. I don't know. Seems seems confusing. Yeah, and you hear and like. You you have stories, and maybe we'll go to a break. Well, we're due, we're overdue for a break anyway. So we'll. But you've heard stories of people being under the influence before the game. You've heard stories of people being under the influence before the game and going out there and having some solid performances. Even, yeah. um, I you've also heard of people being under the influence and not having such solid performances. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that stuff like this goes on in college sports college sports, not just college football, college sports, more than people think, or I think people would be shocked to learn that it happens. And I don't think it's like commonplace where UK, their opponents, you know, 25% of the time are, are token up before games. It's certainly not commonplace, but I guarantee you this happens multiple places throughout a season in probably every sport or most sports even. Uh, I think people will be surprised to learn it, but yeah, that's the report out of Texas A&M. It's a complete disaster in College Station. Their fans are so done with Jimbo, but the contract is just so absolutely outlandish. And we, we've got more to get to. Let's put a pin in this. We'll come back to it. We need to go to our first break. I also want to try something different and maybe do a few texts in hour number one because I really wow. am. I, I, I do, I, I'm starting to feel bad that like we're our loyal, great listeners, you just want to go squeeze their cheeks. We ask them to text in. They do. They're huge parts of the show. Some of it is they just want to get their opinions out there. But I know there's some texters out there that are just like, hey, this will be good radio topics, and I'm curious what they got to say about it. They help out the show, and us having to jam them in in the final 15 minutes, 20 minutes isn't always fair. So I'm going to try to and get to it earlier as well. And it stresses me out. So if we could avoid some of that stress, it'd be great. You all, he ain't kidding. He really does get stressed out. He put like exclamation points and text messages being like, two minutes before it all shuts off, two minutes. Uh, he gets really, really worked up about it. So uh, we'll come back. We got a lot to get to. We'll talk more about substance abuse in college athletics. But more importantly, it was UK Basketball Media Day, baby. That means the season is right around the corner. Don't go anywhere. Kentucky Roll Call rolls along after this. Roll Call. It's ex- it's, e- it's exercising, but like by dancing, dancing and, yeah, yeah, exotically. Zoom, 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 and my heart go boom, boom, boom. Is that a thing? Remember that song? No. From that Disney Channel original hit, Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. Never watched that because I had friends growing up. Welcome to Kentucky Roll Call with Walker and Roush. Is this look the... look at me. I'm cool too. Well, is this the third... I ate it out back and I ate filet. Well, oh, oh. well is it... Zoom, zoom, zoom. Welcome back, Kentucky Roll Call here on Big X Radio. There you go. That was perfect. 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. TJ Walker, Justin Kalen on your Wednesday. Nick Roush, he is a host of this show. 
Uh, they had their kid last week, their second little baby boy, second kid in the family. And so he is taking care of the kid. He's not, he is not doing radio, but he better come on at some point this week. It's Kentucky, Tennessee week. And if he doesn't have an itch to want to talk about the cats beating the stinky, dirty, no good balls, then he's changed, man. He's changed. He'll pull the thing where he comes on on Friday in the last segment and wants to talk about the game and do picks and try to get through the text line. And the next thing we know, it's going to be 930, four off air. Mm -hmm. I can just see it happening. Yeah, and he'll be all, like, revved up, too, you know? Like, he'll be really – he'll be fired up. He'll be yelling. He'll be screaming. And it's like, well, Roush, you should have just came on earlier in the week and, you know, (laughs) relaxed a little bit. He'll, he'll He'll try to fit it all in with enthusiasm in a shorter amount of time. But yeah. hey, he's 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 welcome anytime. He knows where welcome to find anytime. us. Absolutely. And we do want to give a shout out and thank a Big Blue Drew for coming on during this time when when Roush has been out. Obviously, we got to hear from intern Jacob for the first time in a long time yesterday. That was fun to hear from him. And uh, we just appreciate everybody that's helping us out. Today, it's going to be Dylan Ballard, which we're excited about. Maybe you have seen him on Twitter. Maybe you follow along at Dylan Ballard underscore UK. He writes and does pictures for AC of Blue, but he's been covering pretty much everything for UK. Uh, that's UK Athletics now, it seems like, for uh, two years. Maybe it's longer than that. Uh, we can ask him when we have him on. Uh, he's also doing a new podcast, relatively new podcast, called Bluegrass Banter, which is a good name. And some people would say, Bluegrass Banter, I've heard of that before. TJ, weren't you the first guest ever on Bluegrass Banter? And you'd be correct in, in, in wow. asking that. Uh-huh, no big deal. They had Adam Luckett on last night. So I look forward to listening to that today uh, at the office. But so make sure you're following along with all of Dylan Ballard's stuff. He'll be on an hour number two, and uh, he was at SEC Media Day yesterday. He covered football practice, so he's he's been a busy guy on the UK beat, but we'll be sure to get updates on all of the stuff that he covered yesterday. That's going to be fun, but make sure you're following along. On hey, Twitter. speaking of Big Blue Drew, I had uh, I had hit him up yesterday because weird that we were talking about Bobby Knight yesterday morning because yesterday was Bobby Knight's 82nd birthday. How about that? happy birthday to the old general i was i was pretty upset that i didn't see that while we were on air more importantly scoots did you see that kentucky powerball 700 million tonight come on whose turn is it (laughs) it was a great come on i don't know uh i sent the i sent the the roster last week so i know who's before me but i don't know who's after me i always forget uh, it is, it's Roush's turn, which I think Roush just randomly went out of turn like two weeks ago. He did. Yeah. <laughs> which I guess kind of sucks for him. Right. Cause it's his turn this yeah. week. Yeah. He's got to buy it. Yeah. And you know, I could totally see a $700 million Powerball ticket coming out of the South end. Couldn't you, man, man. Oh man. That would be sweet. It'd probably come from a Thornton's the South end people would go like anytime that a big Powerball wins in a. It can be like any anything but a non-rural neighborhood, really. Like it could be a suburban, it could be urban. It doesn't it, just non-rural. Anytime you get a huge like Powerball winning ticket and the news gets a hold of it, 
people will go like surround the gas station as if the person's going to go claim their ticket, get seven hundred million dollars in cash right then and there, and then go pass it out to the people. But have you you've seen the pictures of like people kind of not storming a gas station, but like a large crowd has gathered outside this gas station. Have you ever seen yeah. those? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I could totally see that happening in the Thorntons in the South End. Roush picking the, the the winning numbers. That, that's really dumb, though. I mean, on people, just go to the lottery office when you hear somebody wins a Powerball. I think it's just like a community event more than anything. I, I maybe some people think they're going to see like the winner go to the station, although that's a horrible assumption. But I think it's more of just like, hey, look, you know, somebody in our hood is about ready to be seven hundred million dollars richer. Let's celebrate. Well, that's Let's that's that would be huge for Thornton's because they get a nice kickback off that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's like the incentive of all these places to sell lottery tickets, right? Exactly. Yeah. They get, they get money back. Yeah. Which makes sense. So, uh, sheesh, that's a big one. Some would say when it comes to the lottery ticket, uh, (laughs) the Thornton's text line, it's, uh, usually a little slow to start the show, but great stuff from the podcast listeners from yesterday's show, five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. You can send them in anytime and do not forget. You can go to Thornton's and get your lottery ticket for $700 million at at Thornton's, which is always, uh, you go and you get your stuff, Scooch, you get your donuts, you pay for it, and then you get the lottery ticket, and you think to yourself, well, this is all going to end up being free because I'm going to win the lottery. So Exactly. It's a, it's a nice, it's a, it's almost like a rebate when you think about it. But we love Thornton's. We love the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Text them on in. We'll read them on air. Uh, I, I want to get to just a few quick hitters of media day and we'll let Dylan Ballard kind of talk about some of more of the substance from yesterday's press conference. First off, I still can't believe they do it in that little small room in the Joe craft center. There's so much space on UK's campus. There's so much space in other parts of Memorial Coliseum or UK athletics facilities. Why are they still doing it in that little room? They've been doing it in that little room for over 10 years now, probably over 20 years. Scoots, you don't know what I'm talking about, but they do it in like a tiny, tiny little closet. Maybe they just want it to be more intimate. Ever thought of that? It's plenty intimate, but still. If you put it out in a big like classroom hall building, it's not as intimate. Like, but why, what does that even mean? Like, it just gets everybody close. I don't know. It's not. It's not a mixer. You're not trying to go home with the person. You're not trying to go home with anybody. You're trying to get some some quotes and some some conversation. And the the weirdest thing is like they do that with Calipari in a small little room, and then they have the players all spread out through throughout the drill craft center, which I understand that makes sense to me. Like let's spread them out, and you go talk. They'll be available for twenty thirty minutes. You go talk to who you want to talk to, and you can go talk. You can go talk to. Everybody, if you want, you could spend your entire time interviewing one person if you wanted. You can; it's up to you. And I like the the flexibility that they do there. Uh, but point being, if you're worried about like audio with Calipari, so you wanted to have it in a small room so the audio sounded good, well, they don't care about it with the players at all because they're in a big gym. So, like, why can't you do Calipari in a big gym? Let everybody spread around. Anyways, uh, the biggest news is just. Oscar is telling everybody, everybody's still on the same page, that he's going to be good to go game one. He's not going to miss any, any any substantial time. The way Oscar tells it, he's not going to miss any time, any time at the beginning. Yeah, any time at all. Maybe an exhibition game or two. 
I'm not 100% sure his status for that. The first one for UK is Sunday, which is so cool. Just have to wait till Sunday to see UK play somebody else. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, and then Cal had a quote saying that they're not going to they're not going to hold Oscar back when it comes to this injury, but they're also not going to push him forward, which I think was the the exact quote. So I. I guess I, I think what he's trying to express is if he's if he's healthy, he's going to play. If he's not healthy, he's not going to play. Um, fine. That's probably how it should be. Scooch, are we missing the ball at all on this where, like, we should just have the mindset that I, – I think so many U.K. fans – here's where it comes down. Here's what it comes down to. I think so many U.K. fans are worried if you don't see him against Howard now in 12 days for the season opener. It's going to be a Monday, which, by the way – Fine by me. Have every opener on a Monday for all I care. Mondays sure. suck. If you wanna if you wanna add a little UK basketball to my Monday to make it a little bit better, that's fine. That being said, I love the Tuesday, Saturday SEC slate. I, I think that is part I think the winters partially fly by because you get in that Tuesday, Saturday routine for UK basketball where Mondays stink. Tuesday stink, but you're still rewarded with Tuesday night. You get basketball. And then Wednesday, boom, you get to talk about the game. It's hump day. You're on the back half of your week. Thursday's Thursday. Everybody loves a good Thursday. Friday, nothing better than a Friday. You're already previewing the Saturday game. And then bada boom, bada bing, it's the weekend. You come back Monday. You get to talk about the game on Saturday. Rinse, repeat. It's so great. But in the out of conference, go ahead and play on Monday for all I care. Um, it's it's a it's a good way to to brighten things up especially for a season opener as well so 12 it's 12 days apart but the thing people are worried about scoots is if oscar doesn't play in that first game or if you if you were to not play in that second game if kentucky was just saying listen he is fine he's healthy he could play if these were tournament games or these were meaningful games but we're just being extra cautious with them letting his body have a little bit of rest this could be a 40 game season that's a lot of basketball we're just going to be careful with them I actually would have no issue with that, but where the issue would lie would be, wait, Oscar said he was fine. Cal said he was fine. And now here we are. It's multiple games and he hasn't played, or it's one game and he hasn't played. Here we go again with the injury. It's a Shaden Sharp situation. It's a Jared Vanderbilt situation. Here we go again where we're not we're not be the we're not having the truth told to us, and we have no idea when to expect a meaningful basketball player back in the roster. I'm so sick of this. That's why people are so. That's why people want to see him in that first game so badly. It's because they're just scared that if he doesn't play in that first game, that it could mean something more severe. Wheeler, what what's the first big game? Ohio State? Uh, no, Michigan State Champions Michigan Classic, State. and that's uh, what the. The fifteenth, I think. Okay. If you don't see him in that game, then I then I think Kentucky fans can have that mindset. But if you don't see him against Howard, it's it's kind of like you said. Who cares? I mean, that's you want to see Oscar, no doubt about it. But you have so much depth this year on that team that Oscar's not gonna make or break a win or a loss versus Howard in that situation. I mean, we we've talked at nauseum about all the bigs that can back him up if he gets in foul trouble so it's not going to be a problem but if 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 that issue arises and he doesn't play michigan state then you can have something to worry about but until then i, I think we just have to take oscar at his word no yeah no i'm taking everybody at their word and all this and i also think that would probably leak if or at least there'd be maybe a slow drip if if it was like hey 
yeah, Oscar is optimistic. He's got a big heart. He thinks he's going to play. But And again, I, I just default pretty much any inside information coming from Kyle Tucker. But you could see like a Kyle Tucker tweet being like, while it's not overly severe, Wheeler, you also are most likely not going to see Oscar in the opener, maybe not until that Michigan State game. So you're not getting that. So I, I am taking all of them at their word that it's not anything major that he's not going to miss any substantial time. Scoots, I agree with you. If his first game back was that Michigan State game, I'd like him maybe to shake off a little bit of rust before then. But when you're just telling somebody to go out there and go rebound, that's – and he obviously can do more than rebound. We have a large enough sample size to know that. But when his main – objective is to go out there and control the glass I, I don't worry about shaking off the rust too much but Kentucky plays Howard again November 7th Monday 12 days away then they play Duquesne on the Friday that's pretty sweet you're going to get a little Monday Friday mm-hmm. I bet that Friday I, maybe I'll hang out with my buds on that Friday go watch the UK game get the old three-point game rocking and rolling again Scoots you know about the three-point game don't you I don't think so maybe you've talked about it in the past but I don't recall yeah, let's say I've got like a group of like four guys with us. You every yeah, you do a random order. You go and you go clockwise. I go first. You go second. Roush goes third. Big Blue Drew goes fourth. Uh, I I get first pick. I pick Antonio Reeve. You pick Casey Wallace. Roush picks C.J. Frederick, and Big Blue Drew picks Severe Wheeler. And the first one of those four players that hits a three wins the pot, and then you get first pick next time I get last pick Mm. and you just go, you go in an order. Uh, It's really, I I love it. I mean, I think some, I think sometimes it can get old, uh, but I love it for the crappy games. It just kind of gives you a little side pot, little side betting makes it a good time. Um, Embarrassingly embarrassingly enough, my friend and I started it for the St. Peter's game. And I think it was like the under 12 timeout. We were like, nope, 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 nope. This, no more games for this. (laughs) We we need to focus our attention on this actual basketball game. We can't believe what we're seeing. And sure enough, we all know how that turned out. So instead of doing first three and taking all the fun out of it, like right away, in case that happens within the first minute of the game, you all should do total threes. Uh, yeah, that's but that's that's a little too reliant on the first order of draw, because if you get like total threes and you get Antonio Reeves, you're gonna feel pretty good about your chances, versus if you drew like fifth and you got you know somebody not as good. What if you mixed it up and could add the other team and take their best three pointer instead of like a severe Wheeler? Then it could get a little too like, hey, we're just trying to hang out, talk, watch the game. That's now true. there's threes left and right, and yeah. we're just all we're doing is doing the order. Because that is one of the good slash bad things of UK uh, basketball is for this game. Sometimes UK only hits like two or three threes. Uh, I think we were even doing it during the the game where they didn't hit a three at all against Davidson. And were we doing it then? We had to be doing it then, which that made for a funny day. <laughs> UK's three-point streak, RIP. It was one of the best things. It's one of the. I will say this for the Calipari haters: they they missed out on the wrong talking points. Talk the ended three-point streak. That should be for the Calipari haters something that actually holds a little bit of weight. But uh, no, that's going to be a fun time. Monday game to start the season. A Friday game. Two cupcakes. You hope Kentucky looks good. Stuff to get excited about. And then you just have to wait a few days for that Tuesday Champions Classic game in Indianapolis which I haven't heard a ton of UK fans going to it. I'm sure they will when the time comes. 
but they always have a huge, huge presence in Indianapolis, but haven't heard as much as of late. Let's get to the Thornton's text line. Should should we scoot? Let's do it. Uh, Blood in the Water in College Station. Lebius Overton is a cat. To see the Who person. the hell's Lebius Overton? He he picked you. He picked Texas A and M over Kentucky. And I want to say, I think he is. Uh, is he a freshman now at A and M, or is he a redshirt freshman at A and M? How long has this been? Uh, but he was a five star. Is there actual whispers of him being talked about transferring to UK? That'd be pretty cool if there was, but I haven't seen him if there are. But I like the way you think. It certainly seems like everything's kind of crumbling in College Station, and I don't think that really breaks anybody's heart because they are a weird fan base. Another texter says, I like listening to a radio show that doesn't have a negative, dismissive tone every time something basketball-related is discussed. Thanks, guys. Ooh, that is coming off the heel scoots of me just now talking about the three-point streak ending four years ago. (laughs) Some people may say that that's negative. Uh, No, but I I think I know what this texture is talking about. And, yeah, you know, there some people that aren't as hyped on U.K. basketball and John Calipari right now. That's not Kentucky roll call, though. We are – Again, I can't state it enough. I, I don't know if I've ever been more excited for college basketball season. That being said, I do find myself saying that not annually, but that's not the first time I've said that in the Calipari season. But I'm really pumped up for this season. Obviously, I was really pumped up going into 2012, UK coming off their their first Final Four in a long time. Obviously, I was pumped up in 2014, 2015. How could you not be? Honestly, I was pumped up in 2023, 2014, 2013, 2014. Because UK was coming off a bad season. You had a great recruiting class coming in. That season obviously had more speed bumps than I think anybody was anticipating or expecting. So, yes, I often do get excited about college basketball seasons. But I'm not sure how you couldn't be. You're having the National Player of the Year return for the first time in over a decade. It'd be hard not to get excited about this college basketball season. You're returning a lot of great pieces from despite such an awful ending the last season, it was a pretty damn good year up until that awful ending. So you're returning a lot of good pieces. You're bringing in a nice blend of pieces. And most importantly, you have the national player of the year returning. And it's a more, I I just think the schedule's amazing. Like you don't really go, uh, let's see if I can pull it up again in front of me. Every time you do anything with the internet around this place, everything's a little wonky, but you don't often go really long streak. All right, so number, November 15th, they play Michigan State. You only have to wait five days before they play Gonzaga again. And then you have to wait about two weeks, which is really you only have to wait nine days before they play Bellarmine. I know a lot of people are excited about that game, myself included. Yes, Kentucky's probably going to blow them out, but I think that game's cool. It's good for Bellarmine. It'll, it'll be cool seeing Bellarmine play the Cats in Rupp Arena in a Division One basketball game. Back when I was dominating – Bellerman basketball kid camps when I was like 12 and 13, probably like 11 and 12 years old. You know, I never would have imagined the Knights would be in that stage. So that'll be sweet. But even if you don't consider that one a fun one, you only have to wait two weeks from the Gonzaga game before UK plays Michigan and you get a Hunter Dickinson, Oscar Shibway matchup, which is just going to be phenomenal. Then after that, Scoots, you only have to wait about 13 days for UK to play UCLA, who's a top 10 team. And Boom. Before you know it, a week after that, it's uh, a little over a week after that, it's SEC play. You play Louisville. On this, like the schedule, you never go a long lull without having an exciting game. And even in those stretches where I say you only have to wait 13 days or you have to wait two weeks, UK still playing teams in that in that 
stretch. It's just not, you know, it's usually some cupcakes opponents, but that's pretty exciting for a schedule. I think that, I think that builds to my excitement for the season is that you're going to have big games in November. You're going to have big games in December. You're going to have big games in January. You're going to have big games in February. The schedule basically holds your hand to March, which is yeah. all, all, all we care about ultimately. Um, yes, we're going to have, it's going to be a fun ride. We're going to have fun with it. But every UK fan and Calipari and this team has the same mindset that like, let's get better. Let's give ourselves a good seed. Let's put ourselves in a position to have an easiest road if possible. But, this whole story is judged on March. The entire season is judged on March. How people will remember this team, how people will probably remember some of these players' legacies. It's all about March. So when you initially read this text, I thought he was dissing on us for being negative or dismissive. And then I had to read it about three more times. I'm like, oh, he's praising us for not being negative or dismissive. Yes, they are They are praising us. Uh, they were not praising other, other radio other shows. shows. Yes, yeah. correct. Uh, texter says, and we'll go to a break after this. I could be wrong, but it stood out to me over the summer when he said it. Jack Pilgrim mentioned that CJ was known as a solid defender at Iowa, but always gets overlooked as an unathletic guy who can only shoot. Shoot. Maybe past injuries play a part, but I don't see how they how we can pl- put him in below Reeves as to today who had poor defensive metrics in a worse conference. I think that's totally fair, and that is part of it. I think there's a biases of C.J. Frederick's defense, but also we just haven't seen a ton of him either, and it does apply also with Reeves. I didn't think either were a liability in the Bahamas from what we saw or the pieces that we saw, but you were going against such bad competition. That's why you play the regular season. We're going to figure this stuff out, and we know how important defense is to Calipari. He had a quote about defense yesterday during his press conference. He mentioned that it's uh, not great right now. He does, he's not really impressed with the defense. He says it's more offensive-oriented. He thinks they're further along with their offense. I've got some takes on that. So, again, let's put a pin in this. We'll come back. We'll talk about it. We're going to have Dylan Ballard hopefully join us. We're having – Uh, He's having a a, a little bit of an issue connecting, but I'm sure we'll get that figured out during this break. You're listening to Kentucky Roll Call on Big X Sports Radio. TJ Walker, Justin Kalen, back for Hour 2 with Dylan Ballard after this. Welcome back for Hour 2 of Kentucky Roll Call. Nothing is over until we decide it is. With Walker and Roush. We're just getting started, bro. Welcome back. Hour number two of Kentucky Roll Call here on oh, Big Ed Radio. 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. We go 7 to 9 Monday through Friday, replay of Kentucky Roll Call on Big Exports Radio, 9 to 11. Podcast wherever you get your podcast, just search for Kentucky Roll Call. And then I, I like to use the TuneIn app to stream all of Big X original programming, which pretty much goes on throughout the day. You can also tell your Alexa to play Big Exports Radio. Plenty of, plenty of ways to listen to Big X and especially Kentucky Roll Call. Joining us, I believe, for the first time ever, at least in a long, more than just a segment capacity, but I think maybe the first time ever, Dylan Ballard is joining us. Technical difficulties we have ironed out. Dylan, how are you? 
I'm doing great, man. This this actually is my first time ever being on the show. Uh, I'm excited. I've been listening now for actually a few years. I think it was shortly after you guys started. It just uh, the, the time you guys work uh, show comes on works perfect with my work schedule because um, I own my own business as well besides the media gig, and I I'm working by myself the first few hours of the day every day, and so I'm an everyday listener, and I I love the show, and I feel like I've been like a part of the show without being on just because I've listened for so long. Yeah, I know you've, I mean, we've, we've certainly brought up your work or your tweets and I know you've texted in before and we've read it that way, but yeah, long overdue to have you on and happy to make it happen this morning. I had mentioned that I'd gone on with you with big blue banter with Ethan. That was a lot of fun. That was now that's been, I think about a month now, uh, but new podcast. So another, I, 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 I think you're similar Dylan where like, I just really can't for the most part, get enough UK content. You know, as long as they're talking football, as long as they're talking basketball, as long as they're not just focusing specifically just on one sport. And in certain seasons, that's okay. I'm all right with it. But I think you're in a similar boat where it's just like, I love listening to other UK radio shows or other shows that talk about UK. I love listening to other podcasts that listen to UK. And there's a lot of really great content out there. Big Blue Banter, uh, it needs to be added to the mix. It's not big blue banter, it's bluegrass banter, but it needs to be added to the mix if you're not already listening to it. Yeah, we had Adam Luckett on last night, and we had a good time, man. Adam really breaks down the X's and O's and does a great job, and it was, uh, we've had you on, and it's been it's been fun, man. I, we, we're appreciative of SB Nation and Sea of Blue for letting us have that, but like like always, man, I, I'm ready to talk some sports in whatever, whatever direction you guys want to go. It's been good the last few weeks, Matt Sack and Drew Brown have filled in well, so hopefully I can live up to the standards they've put out there. What uh, uh, before we get into sports, we're going to talk plenty of sports. We you were you had a busy day yesterday covering. Uh, just give your like quick thirty second background story. How did you get into this? How did you get on at Sea of Blue? You you already mentioned that you do do another part time. You own your own business. Uh, how did you get into the sports world, and how do you kind of balance your your sports life with your your other your other endeavors yeah man i actually started a podcast with one of my good buddies uh name's dylan he was a he's a tennessee fan and we called it uh borderline and uh just talked about both with talking about a little bit of overall just sports in general more like uh we trash talk each other and people would even message me and be like man y'all sure do argue a lot but we were like best friends through church and we were just really doing it for the show and to see a blue, it started gaining a little bit of steam, not like, you know, crazy, but it gained some steam. And when they did, I had a couple different places kind of messaging me and asking me if I would come on as a part-time contributor. And like you said, like we said, I own a business. So that's kind of what I wanted to do. I, I, you've alluded to it onto the show. Uh, full-time media gigs don't really pay the best. <laughs> so uh, whenever I started getting offers for part-time media gigs, I was just kind of deciphering through best which one fit my schedule and it was a sea of blue and actually started doing a little little bit of everything when I got there but I was mostly doing recruiting I'd made some like connections with just a few couple people and then it kind of organically grew I started going to games covering games and that's kind of where I fell into liking the most and then it's just I've uh, been on, I've been on with them now for about three years and I've you know it's it's been perfect for me they work with my schedule perfect if I can't go to a game if I can't go to a practice they're fine with it 
and they they do awesome over there. But it's man, I'm gonna be honest. You probably know how it is. It's kind of hard to balance it at times because your sports is where your your passion is, and unless you get a very very good gig, you know, you know that's not why we do it. But the pay's not great, uh, like in that industry. So it's finding the balance of what you love and then doing your business as well. So we stay really busy with both, and I help out at my church a lot. So my girlfriend kind of fusses at me sometimes because it's, it is hard to balance, but I love it. And, and I love the people I've worked for over to see a blue and running my business is fun, but it's, it's been, it's a good time. And I like that. I get the opportunity to do both. It's not, I'm blessed to be able to do both. Well, you, 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 it's kind of a hard scene to emerge from and you've done it. Uh, and it is, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of unappreciated work or work that you may not get a ton of comments on a certain story or clicks on a certain story. And you feel like, oh, man, what, what is going on here? Uh, or when you first get started, maybe in some podcasting, you just don't really get the numbers you're looking for. Uh, but you do it because you like it and you enjoy it. And uh, you mentioned that the, the money aspect, I don't think that's really a, a secret in this industry. If it is a secret, it's not a well-kept secret, but you can even have great jobs. You know, not the Sea of Blue or Kentucky Sports Radio, those are great jobs, but you could be at the Courier Journal. You could be at the Lexington Herald Leader. You could, you could, you could quote unquote, like make it to the top of this industry and it's still, you'd be surprised. I think a lot of folks would, would be surprised or they wouldn't be surprised, but it's, it's definitely. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's late nights, working weekends, and uh, you're doing a great job in the capacity that you're doing, and you seem happy, and I think that's ultimately what's most important. But we thank you for your time. You had a busy day yesterday. We were talking basketball to end hour one. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm all over the place to, on today's show, but I kind of want to bring it back to football. Just get your mile-high view of Saturday's game get your perspective of UK's chances, and then feel free to add any caveats from press conferences this week uh, because I have not really touched on them. Roush is usually the one that goes or the one that is posting about them. He's been out. So the mood just around the team as well. So I'm giving you a lot, Dylan. The floor is yours. Yeah, man. So I, I've actually been talking to some guys around the program, and I went to the press conferences this game intrigues me a lot. I have a lot of family down in eastern Kentucky, southern Kentucky. You know, and this rivalry for me has always been as big or bigger than the Louisville rivalry. Maybe not, you know, in those years of 2012 to, to 2016 or whenever that, you know, that that heyday of the Louisville rivalry. But my whole life, this rivalry has been huge for me and my family. So I've, I was talking to some people around the program, went to the press conferences, and I just really believe that this team, and I know all teams should believe like this, but I don't think this team's going in thinking, oh, we've got a puncher's chance. I think this team's going in thinking, we let one slip away last year. Injuries and a, and a like couple miscues are the only reason we're not undefeated in, in the position they are in. And I think this team, and even talking to some of the players, it 100% feels like they're going to go in there and win, not, oh, we can win or we should win. This team's going in thinking we can win. The coaching staff actually has got – I don't know if it's because of the way they won uh, a few weeks ago and coming off a bye. Scangarello saying things like yesterday, this is the healthiest we've been. Will saying this is the healthiest he's been. He said he actually didn't go home. Everybody else went home pretty much for the bye week. And he said, I stayed and get to get as healthy as I possibly can. And I think this team thinks that they're going to go down there and win in Knoxville. 
And, you know, every time you'd ask about the environment, they were all like, I can't wait to take it all in. That's Will's like, that's where I thrive. And that's talking to some other dudes. It's just, I think players like yesterday, the media talked to Barry and Brown. And he's like, I'm just, I'm going to make a big play in that environment. And Scangarello seemed more confident than I think he seemed all year. And it's, uh, it's exciting. And I, I can't wait to see what happens Saturday. Now, if I was to put a, you know, score prediction, I think anybody would probably say, I'm going to predict Tennessee to win. That's just an easy pick. But I think our percentage chance to win is a lot better than people are giving us credit for. And I've kind of been watching national media, and I think most of them are picking Tennessee to cover. And I just don't think that happens because Mark Stoops, me and Jeff Drummond were talking yesterday at the press conference. I just don't think Mark Stoops gets blown out. We saw it last year at Georgia. We, we saw it in other big games. This is kind of one more notch he needs to take of beating a top five team and pulling off that major, major upset. I mean, kind of 2018 Florida, but I'm talking like that top level, just get a big win. But I think this could be the one for him uh, just because I think this team's ready. And I think they feel like they have enough confidence, especially in Brad White and that defense, to at least slow them down just a little bit. Uh, I wish I could just take that paragraph of sentences, put it in a bottle and just save it anytime I'm feeling down about UK football. That's got me pumped up. I love hearing about the optimism and confidence around the team. You, you, as somebody that interviews them, you get to feel that you get to sense it and you get to hear their words. That's good. That's good. And they should, they, it shouldn't be anything less than that. When I was hearing you say that I was shaking, I was nodding my head in agreement and I was thinking like, good, good. I, I pumped up hearing it, but that's the way that it should be. UK, Going into this season, we thought that winning in Knoxville was a winnable game. What throughout this season would make us really think otherwise? I thought Tennessee was going to be a pretty good team. I didn't think that they'd be undefeated top five good, but I thought we, we thought it was going to be a difficult game because we thought Tennessee was going to be a good team. They are a good team. We thought Kentucky was going to be a good team. Kentucky is a good team. Uh, just because they shot themselves in both foot, feet, as I mentioned yesterday's show, in Oxford, and because you had some silly mistakes down there, that doesn't really change my overall landscape of this team. And then the South Carolina game, as much as it totally and completely stunk and one was one of my least favorite UK football games I've ever attended, which is really saying something, um, you can almost kind of put it to the side. I don't want to say you can totally overlook it, but you can put it to the side. You didn't have Will Levis. The team was incredibly banged up, and it was just a bad night that the Cats had to play football. UK's coming off a bye. They're well-rested. The confidence is where it needs to be. Um, yeah, Mark Stoops, he has had his fair share of blowouts, but you're right. They're fewer and further between as his tenure at UK progresses. And this is one that everybody's going to get fired up for. Their arrival, maybe Tennessee's slightly overlooking UK. Dylan, do you see the jerseys that they're wearing on Saturday in Knoxville? Yeah, dude, I have a lot of friends that are Tennessee fans, and I promise they weren't going to let me go without seeing that. I mean, I probably got sent it like 15 times, and I'm just going to be honest. I know I'm probably, you know, younger than most of the Kentucky fan base today, but I think those jerseys are sick. I think those jerseys are awesome. I, I hate that I think they're so cool. That orange is still ugly, even in the top and small hints they're putting it in. You know, a lot of fans will be wearing those colors in the stadium. But what what do you think, TJ? I think they look cool. Yeah, they look they look good. I mean, that orange is just so ugly. The best thing you can do with it is just try hide to it. hide it. Exactly. Try to put as much black around it as possible uh, and, and let the black, you know, let the orange kind of like, 
pop a little bit. It's still such an ugly color orange. No, they look good. They they and and I know they've done jerseys like that before, and especially around Halloween, they've done stuff like that before. But I did it at least cross my mind that like they've got Georgia next week in a game that's most likely going to decide the East unless there's a big upset somewhere. I wonder if they're doing these jerseys as just like, hey, let's let's stay motivated. we got to focus on this weekend. We'll give you some cool jerseys to get you pumped up. Uh, it's Kentucky. You should already be pumped up. They're a, they're a border rival. I know the Georgia game's bigger, but you got to stay focused this week. I almost took that as they're throwing their players a treat to like, hey, be good. Stay focused this week. We'll give you some cool jerseys. Uh, it, it won't make much of a difference, but I, I think that could be a big storyline for Tennessee. If I was a Tennessee coach, it, it, it would be what I'd be harping on all week is like focus on this game. Do not look ahead. Do not look ahead. Do not look ahead. Because while Kentucky's not as sexy as Georgia on an opposing team schedule, Kentucky's good enough to to beat you if you don't come out there focused on the Cats. So I thought the jerseys, while they do look good, as much as we hate to compliment Tennessee for anything, I I, I think it's they're I think there's a little don't protest too much that we're focused on this game. See, we're doing special jerseys this week. We're totally focused on this week. But in reality, I think that they're all looking ahead to Athens. I think you're exactly right. I think that's what it is. And this is new ground. I, you know, Tennessee fans like to act like it's not new ground. But, TJ, I'm 25 years old, and I've never had a season where Tennessee football is good in my life. I mean, of course, mate, when I, they won at 98 when I was one year old. But, I mean, since I've been watching football since I was five or six years old, and Tennessee's never even been a 10-win good since I've been alive. Of course, they continue to beat Kentucky, and they've been our Achilles heel even in our good seasons. You know, the years that we beat them were the COVID year and Stephen Johnson year, not even two of our high-profile years. But I had a friend text me yesterday and say, oh, we're going to win by 1,000 now that it's dark mode activated. And beforehand, he was just ho-hum, not even really talking about it. So I think, you know, and fan bases are always different than the team. Uh, but this is somebody that – one of that friend is actually around a lot of the media members and stuff down there. And I think it's taking that for them uh, to be like, oh, okay, this is a big game. Hurt Street, Fowler are on the call. It's on primetime ESPN. But they're coming here for us. This has nothing to do with Kentucky, I think, is their mentality. And I think that they're just like – I've even heard some Tennessee media members and saw it on Twitter of just like, yeah, Kentucky's good, but I think this would be a 14-point to 17-point win. And I think overall, even the people with the pulse around the program – Tennessee's overlooking Kentucky. And I was on my podcast last night. I was like, yeah, just I told one of my Tennessee friends that came on. I said, just please, you know, keep counting Kentucky out. They, yeah, they suck, man. They're just, you know, they've already got two losses. The Tennessee's basically 2019 LSU. And you guys, you'll probably steamroll us. You know, that ultimate sarcasm of mm-hmm. like, keep putting us as this big underdog. I asked Barry and Brown about that yesterday. And he was like, yeah, you know, you, he was giving you the ultimate freshman speak, making sure they don't say nothing wrong to the media. But he's like, yeah, it has to give you a little more motivation when everybody's just counting you out. And like Will, when, you know, John Clay yesterday asked about what do you think about being primetime, you're getting Fowler, you're getting Herb Street. And he was like, he just kind of grinned and was like, yep, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a big game, I guess. I mean, they're, He's like, you know, they're a good team. But you could just tell in his voice and in his smile, like, please keep making this about them. Because I, I swear I think this team's ready. Do I think we're going to go in and win? 
that's going to be really hard. And we could get into the scheme things of like Brad White, the way he plays is a little more suited to Tennessee's offense than the way Bama plays and all that. I think really it's just going to come down to executing your game plan, sticking to who you are and not falling into their tempo. Dylan, in the preseason, did you have Kentucky beating Tennessee or no? I had Kentucky as nine and three. Uh, and I thought we would lose to Mississippi State or Ole Miss and then lose to Tennessee and Georgia. Okay. And I think that is just me being – I thought we were as good as Tennessee, but I, I thought that – and I thought the special season was definitely on the table. I thought that that was especially, you know, watching them. And I think, you know, if we would have went 11-1, and one, it wouldn't have surprised me. But I thought, you know, just like we always have a clunker. And then I thought – I've been a Kentucky fan for 25 years, and I saw two wins and our best seasons we haven't beaten them. So it was more like a – do not that I don't think we were better than them, Justin. It was just more of I'm not going to pick Kentucky to win in this game in a prediction until I see us doing it regularly. Yeah, that makes sense. I was just curious because I had brought up the point earlier. It seemed like majority of the fan base was all – like just talking about how that is a winnable game against Tennessee and then how their win over Bama just switched things. So I was just curious what your preseason thoughts were. Yeah, though, but like, Justin, you look – Yeah, I think it's still winnable. But I think you look – Bama uh, was a two-point conversion play away. And you can't do the schematics of this team beat that team, but this team beat that team, so this team might beat this team. Because in college football, it's not like the NFL. Every single scheme is different. In the NFL, they all some place mostly play some kind of pro style. There'll be some, but and you can kind of do that in basketball because it's five dudes on a court. Football's different, but you do look and Bama beat Texas by one point because of a missed extra point early on in the game. And that you know, and then they also for a two point conversion away from losing to Texas A and M, Bama gave that game up. So maybe Bama's not the normal Bama. And people have been acting like Tennessee's been steamrolling everybody. Tennessee's four non-conference or four power five games so far. The only one they beat by more than a touchdown is LSU, and that's because LSU made two big fumbles early on, and they just got so far ahead they couldn't catch up. So Tennessee is great, and they need the recognition. But, TJ, wouldn't you say that Tennessee's – it's not like they're LSU of 2019, like I even see, seen Peter Burns say, and they're just dog-walking every single team they play. They went to overtime with Pitt. If if Anthony Richardson makes a few more big plays, they beat Tennessee at Neyland. And then there's a couple bad calls, and, tennis, and Alabama starting cold, and that game's a loss, too. It, it, I think this game is winnable. Totally. I, and I, I honestly, I'm at the point where I, I think I'm like going to – pick the upset i i've heard so many other media members or talking heads both nationally and locally and you're right i still think the consensus of national media is taking tennessee to cover but i've i've, I've heard some people nationally and more like i said locally that have said hey kentucky's going to play this game close there it's going to come down to the wire tennessee's better bring their a game because kentucky is it, it's going to it's going to be Kentucky's going to cover, and I feel that way that Kentucky's going to cover. But the more I hear and the more I just look at this game, I think it is just nobody would be surprised at all if this was a classic Mark Stoops win. It wasn't pretty. You didn't really – it doesn't always seem to pan out the way that you think it's going to pan out. But at the end of the day, UK is on top in the scoreboard. I, I, I We make our predictions like any other Goober radio show, Dylan, on Friday. You're more than welcome to make any prediction anytime you'd like when you're on our show. 
And that is Dylan Ballard, by the way, just to reset here. He writes for Sea of Blue. He does a great job, uh, takes good pictures when he does some photography. And Bluegrass Banter is a relatively new podcast that he is a co-host and part of and does a great job with that. And speaking of which, if you want to hear more UK football talk, you're definitely going to want to hear Adam Luckett on Bluegrass Banter, uh, which has been posted. I haven't gotten to listen to it yet, Dylan, but I, it, it will be appointment listening when I get it on when I get to the office today. Looking forward to more X's and O's, and like you said, Luckett does as good a job as anybody when talking football. But I think I'm going to probably pick Kentucky to win. Um, I just I, I like everything I've heard going into this game, and it just kind of feels like a classic Mark Stoops is going to shock the world for the a thousand a thousandth time. And I love the quarterback matchup in this game. You have Will Levis, which is I think uh, PFF had their mock draft first round yesterday. I don't know exactly how many picks they did, but they had Levis going third, second quarterback overall taken. Now it's pretty much a consensus that every mock draft is going to have Will Levis in the top ten. Folks, Will Levis is going to be a top 10 quarterback, and he's playing football for the University of Kentucky, and he only has a few games left, even fewer games left in Kroger Field. Appreciate him. And I still don't think he's really had his big college football moment yet, and I think it's going to happen, and I think it may happen this Saturday. You have Hooker, who is, I think, leading the Heisman race by a good distance at this point. I could be wrong about that, but he seems like it's going to be, hey, here's your great college quarterback who doesn't project to be an amazing NFL quarterback. He wants to he want he's got something to prove. And here's your projected high golden boy NFL quarterback who is doing good in college, but gosh, there are a lot of other quarterbacks that have better numbers. Why aren't they getting the love? So this is going to be a lot to prove on both quarterbacks' shoulders. Hooker wants to show, okay, he's the draftable prospect. I'll show you draftable. And Levis wants to say, all right, this is the, the Heisman frontrunner here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to outduel him. I'm going to be the better quarterback in this matchup. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. You get the all-star broadcast. This is This is nice for Kentucky football. And I think for most folks, this season hasn't really gone the way that we anticipated maybe by game, uh, you know, obviously nobody saw the South Carolina game coming, but the injury aspect of it, but some people didn't see the the win at Florida. Some people thought that Mississippi state game could be one that they could get tripped up, but we were thinking maybe you were going to compete for the sec East. And unless some miracle happens, most likely that's not going to take place. This is a huge game. And I seem to do this now, like three times a season for UK football. This is all UK football fans would have ever wanted back when, Joker was fired and you were thinking about who Kentucky needed to hire and your wildest dreams. It was, I want primetime games on Saturday night with the broad, the a team, a plus team broadcast. Give it to me. I want to play a top three team where we go into it on the road, thinking that you've got a chance to win. And that's exactly what Kentucky's done. And as we get closer, as I hear more from people like big blue drew and Matt sack, and especially Dylan Ballard and Adam Luckett, Everybody thinks this sets up well for Kentucky. And UK media is not a bunch of dummies. We do have some dummies, but we're not a bunch of collective dummies. Uh, we're not butt slappers. We usually call it like we see it. And there's a reason why people feel good about Saturday. So I'm pumped up about it. I cannot wait. Dylan, we probably need to take a break, but I'll uh, anything you want to add just before we go. Yeah, um, I think it's crazy that you mentioned the Will Levis, Hendon Hooker, uh, NFL comps. And I know we're mostly talking about the game. You don't hear many coaches do this, 
and I don't know if he really realized he was doing it in the moment. Uh, and if we need to go to break, we can. But Scangarello yesterday broke down in his interview why that Will Levis was rated higher for the pros than Hendon Hooker, and that kind of just surprised me. That's a good tease. Let's let's hear the reason why when we return. How about that? I like it. A good old fashioned radio tease. There you go. There you go. All right, we'll be back. We'll get uh, why UK knows that Will Levis is the better draft prospect. We'll come back. We'll tell you. This is Kentucky Roll Call. TJ Walker, Dylan Ballard, Justin Kaler. We'll be right back. Welcome to Kentucky Roll Call with Walker and Roush. Check out the big brain on Brad. It's emotions when the shows fly by. On the one hand, it usually means you're having a solid show and you're having fun. If nothing else, at least I am. Uh, the bad news is you feel rushed. And once again, we're going to be rushed on the Thornton's text line. Once again, we wish we could talk with Dylan Ballard a little bit longer, uh, but we'll, 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 we'll make it work. I do want to tell you about our friends at Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com. If, uh, if you are into winter activities, they have shade specifically for that. I'm always just blown away by their selection. Any rhyme or reason for sunglasses or protective eyewear, Shady Rays seems to have you covered. Go to ShadyRays.com. Remember, they do a 30-day money-back guarantee. You don't like your sunglasses or they didn't turn out the way that you thought or just you have a change of heart. They give you your money back, no questions asked. And then a non-30-day guarantee is the replacement pair guarantee. You have them for a month, two months, three months, a year. They will replace your sunglasses if they're lost, broken, or stolen. And all you got to do is pay a small processing fee, really, really easy, and you get your order just returned to you. Every time you order from Shady Rays, you're helping feed hungry folks in America, which is another good thing that they do. We love Shady Rays, and you'll save 25% when you use promo code BIGX at checkout. We got Dylan Ballard, as I mentioned. I'm TJ Walker, our producer, who always does a phenomenal job, is Justin Kalen. Dylan, tell us why UK's coaches think Will Levis is a better draft prospect. You're right that you don't often hear coaches talk about draft stock for players. You know, they'll hype them up, sure, but not usually getting into specifics and especially not comparing them to opponents. So what what was that? So yesterday, Scangarello just was asked, like you expect him to be, maybe you alluded to it earlier, Hendon Hooker, his draft stock isn't where, you know, you would think a quarterback of his stats and his, uh, you know, his team status is going to be. But uh, they asked about that yesterday, and he says that any person that plays in that scheme, that Art Browse type offense, the spread, the stacks, those kind of things, he said a quarterback is in that offense is never going to be drafted high unless it's just clear that they are a, a chiseled out prospect. He said, and then most of the time with the type of quarterback that they're looking for in the NFL, that guy's not going to work in that offense anyways. He says that most NFL schemes at their core nowadays are kind of the same offense, even if they're different. 
And he said, so they know that like if Will Levis was to come in right now, he could come in and probably run a play right now. They would just give him some calls and he could come in and run an offense for a game in the NFL because of the offense that he's playing in. And Hendon Hooker, or not necessarily just Hendon Hooker, anybody that plays in that spread stack, Art Browles type offense is not going to be able to. They're going to basically have to come in and take a whole offseason and learn top to bottom a whole new offense. And he says the things that they're looking for in a player, not just the scheme, the big arm, the way that they move, the size, the even everything else like that, it fits more to what Will Levis is. And not necessarily – he wouldn't say – coaches aren't going to say uh, opposed to Hendon Hooker. But he was just talking about the quarterbacks in those style of offenses and how they struggle to be drafted. He said some of them end up working out. But that's why he said, I've word for word, I've been in the last five years, I've been in the meeting rooms for drafts. And that's the reason why scramble quarter or spread stack quarterbacks struggle to get drafted because they're so far behind the eight ball when they come in. And the interesting part to me is, is that has to be a recruiting pitch going forward, right? Because you're going up against Tennessee, you're going up against other schools. And if you can pull out the paperwork and say, hey, I've been in those draft rooms and I've been in them. And even though this kid just won the Heisman uh, he's, and he threw up the best numbers we've seen since Burrow, uh, he still went in the third round, opposed to this guy who missed a few games, didn't have the best numbers. And, you know, it, it, with Levis' intangibles help for sure. He's, his intangibles are crazy. He said yesterday on the PFF podcast he can throw it 80 yards. And then Jacquez tweeted and quoted it and said he can throw it 50 on his knees. That That helps. But he says – it's so they're so far behind the eight ball when they play in that type of offense. That's why teams kind of veer away from them. Unfortunately, after Jamarcus Russell, nobody's allowed to brag about how far they can throw it on their knees. That is true. That you, is true. Jim. Were you two? Do you remember that? That was like the biggest deal. They were like, yeah. he could throw it eighty yards from his knees, and it was like, well, he's never going to be throwing it from his knees in the NFL. Who cares? Can he throw it accurately? Can he? I do, and that was. That was like my first real kind of years of sports memories was because my dad was so big into like draft stuff then. And I remember him telling me that. And like, I think he fell for the hype too. He was like, this Jamarcus Russell dude can absolutely sling the football. And he would like tell me about the videos of him throwing it on his knees. And at the time you didn't have social media. So you'd have to wait for sports center to roll that back mm -hmm. around. Oh yeah. Yep, and it felt like it was on SportsCenter all the time. It was just like, oh, my gosh, I do not care about how far this dude could throw a football from his knees. You may as well show me how big of a cannonball he can make for all I care. Like, it, it, it's totally meaningless to me how far somebody can throw a football from their knees. But, no, I love that quote. It totally rings true, or at least it makes sense to me. But all that being said, you know, that's going to be motivation for Hooker, who has – I think he plays with a chip on his shoulder as is. He's a really fun quarterback to watch. You just hate the color that he's wearing. I know I do. But, he, like, if he's playing for Oregon, you know, he's probably one of uh, – we all probably really, really enjoy getting to see him play. It's just the fact he plays for Tennessee. But he's a gamer. He's tough. Um, and he's going to take quotes like that and say, all right, well, whatever. You all can – and same with the recruiting thing that you had mentioned, Dylan, is that is true, and that's one angle that you should take. You should take really any angle that you can get. But Tennessee, on the flip side, will say, okay, well, first off, he'll get drafted because he will get drafted. And secondly, he's a Heisman contender. So, you know, who isn't that, isn't that enough? So it's kind of going down two different avenues here. 
and you'd like to be the one that wins on Saturday. You'd like to be the one that gets to kind of tip your cap and say, well, maybe our way is the is the right way to go about it. One thing I want to ask you about, and then we really do need to dive into the text line, is we know what Tennessee is going to try to do defensively. And and the question is, I may, I may I'm going to ask the question before I finish the actual question, but is Kentucky going to take the bait because it's actually a strength to Kentucky? Tennessee wants teams to they're going to they're going to stack the box and they're going to dare teams to throw. It's part of the reason why their secondary numbers are not great is because they basically bait teams into throwing and they don't really mind. I mean, they do mind. They don't want teams to score on them, but if they do and it's in a throwing capacity, it fits into the Tennessee style that they're going to want to play fast, make it a track meet. What they don't want to do is have teams slow things down, control the clock, have an established run game. Their run defense numbers are pretty solid, all things considered, because they're basically saying, we are daring you all to throw. Let's play fast. Let's play fast. Let's stop that clock, and let's get this game going. Because they know they can outscore most teams. So what does Kentucky do, Dylan? Do they say, we've got Chris Rodriguez, who we think is the best running back in the SEC. We have to establish the run game. So you all bring it on. We'll bring it on. And hopefully our guys went out versus your guys. We'll still take our shots when we need to. Or does Kentucky fall into the trap? Because Kentucky can throw the ball. We trust Will Levis to drop back and throw. We trust the receivers to make the make plays. I agree with you. I think Barry and Brown will totally make a play on Saturday. He's he's getting in, not a little side tangent here. He's getting into like the Lynn Bowden category territory of like when he's just on the football field, you have to have an eye on him because he is he's capable of making a two-yard loss, a touchdown. Like he's just an absolute freak. I, I love watching this dude play football. So I don't doubt that he's going to make a big play. But what does Kentucky do? What would you do? What's the right thing to do on Saturday? So I think Kentucky's defense, scheme, all those things matches up perfect with what Tennessee does. I'm not saying that we're going to shut them down, shut them out. No. But I'm going somewhere with this on the fact of I know you ask about offense, but the, the way that that is of how we match up perfect with personnel and scheme to the best we can against their offense, I think it's almost the opposite on the opposite side of the ball. And Tennessee's defense is not very good overall. But like you said, they like to get pressure and they like to stack the box. But what Kentucky wants to do is run the football because they've been really rough in pass blocking. And we can throw the football, but it's almost like every play that we throw, it's Will Levis right down to the last second before he just gets nailed and he's getting rid of it, or we run screens and hope for that works. And they want you to, like you said, they want you to get in that shootout. I think it has to be a balance, though, because you can't forsake who you are. And it seems like we have been a lot better when we run the football. But I think you also have to realize you have a quarterback back there that's a top-five pick. And if they're wanting you to throw it, you're going to have to throw it. They're almost last in power, they're last in power five in pass defense. But you don't want to get in the shootout. So I think it's more controlling your pace and your tempo. If you want to get in a track meet with these guys, they're going to beat you. Whether that's running the football or passing the football, I think you have to at least try it with Chris and see where it goes. But the thing that worries me is we saw them get a lot of pressure against Bryce Young. And mostly what he was doing was evading the pressure and then making big throws. So with the, our offensive line that struggled all year, they've looked better but struggled all Flax is back, but they've struggled all year. And they're going to, they've looked better. But that's the thing that worries me is is that uh, you get in a track meet with them 
So I think more than what you're going to do offensively, because you have Chris Luckett said a top five running back in all of college football, you at least got to try and see how he goes. But I think it's more play in your tempo and not trying to match the other offense's tempo. And Will said it yesterday in the press conference. He said a key for us is going to get 10, 11 play drives and kill clock, not trying to run out the clock, but keeping our defense fresh and helping them out is a big thing. Yeah, it's uh it's a solid answer. I, I, I think that you can you gotta you gotta be able to do it all, really. If you're gonna pull an upset over a top five team on the road, you're gonna have to be able to hit some passes, you're gonna have to have an at least somewhat established run game. And I one thing I do like and not that Tennessee's they'll be prepared for this, obviously, is Kentucky does do a lot of nice, hey, let's get it out, short yardage, swing passes, screen passes and let's let our playmakers make plays. That's one way where you can, one, have Levis maybe get rid of the ball a little bit quicker. Two, you can still move the clock. Those aren't usually huge chunk plays, although they can turn into them. But you can still get the clock moving that way so you can have longer sustained drives, keep Tennessee's offense off the field. Uh, But you're going to have to be able to do it all. You're going to have to really play your best game of the season. You're probably going to have to win the turnover battle and you're going to have to make life a little bit difficult on hooker on the other side of the ball. But so there's probably no one right answer, uh, but it is in, interesting how Tennessee will bait teams into playing their style. Does UK give into that or do they try to establish their own way? We will find out. Let's get back to the Thornton's text line five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. A texter says, at some point in the season, this is switching gears over to basketball. At some point this season, when Cal is feeling himself post game or something, he's going to drop a I haven't seen him. I can't wait. Probably will. Probably will. He he's he's one to troll every now and then, Dylan. He definitely is. And uh I love listening to you and Nick talk about it because Mark Stoops does the same thing, mm-hmm. but just in different words. And but for some reason that I, I haven't seen him does get on my nerves sometimes. And it's just cause like you have seen him, like you have physically laid your eyes on him. Your office literally overlooks the court. And if you haven't seen him, that's probably not a good time. Uh, but um, that's that, that is funny hearing you guys joke and talk about that. Uh, you and Roush, but I, he, he's going to drop that sometime. We've even seen like some dudes on this team be a little injury prone. And so I think we will deal with some injuries like severe. Seems like he's always got a little something nagging with him. And that you're going to hear it this year. Just mentally prepare yourself. But I think Cal overall has been doing the right things of getting this fan base, the, the naysayers of this fan base per se, back where that he wants them. Excluding Oscar, which is one, what is one position UK couldn't, uh, or just an, a player that UK couldn't afford to have out extended period of time? I think the, the easy answer for me is Casey Wallace. Um, I think he's basically that Ty Ty role, but could with a little higher ceiling this year. And we saw what happened when Ty Ty went out. And even though Severe's the point guard, there's just going to be some some matchups that are difficult for him. And Calipari said an interesting comment yesterday. He said that Casey's not did anything in practice off ball. So that tells me that maybe Casey's going to uh, be a big role in the late in games and uh, probably playing even a little more point. But even when he's not and he's having to play the two, I just think it, I think to win in the tournament, you need guards that can go out and get you a bucket. And I know Reeves and, and Frederick are going to be good shooters. But I think 
I think if we're going to have anybody that ends up finding a way to create their own shot, it's going to be Kaysen. So I think that's the guy that you don't want to lose. Yeah, that's a good, it's a good answer. I, I, I think Kentucky's just so deep really at every position that you could probably get away anywhere. And especially with the emergence of a dude, the arrow, it makes guard. If you, if let's say a dude was somebody that we didn't think could contribute at all this season. And I, and I'm, I am pumping the brakes a bit on a blue white game. Like, I don't think he's, I do think he's going to be a really good player in time just because he does too many good things. That's like, that is, that is going to be a good basketball player. Maybe not in the next month, maybe not in the next two months, maybe not even the next year, but that, that kid kind of has the it factor, if you will. But just assuming that like he hadn't emerged, I do think you could make a case just really any of the guards, whether it was severe case or Reeves, because if you lose one of those three, well, just some simple math that I learned back at St. X, no big deal, then that means you're down to two. And if you're down to two, that isn't good from a foul trouble standpoint. It's not good from if somebody else just rolls an ankle, maybe something not so severe, Wheeler injury, then you can, uh, like, you're you're kind of getting a little thin. Having a do there is huge because if, if you do somehow get down to two, if Wallace were to go out, I think Wheeler and Reeves could be fine. I think that is still a team. I still think that's a backcourt that should win the SEC, in my opinion. Um, the only issue would be the bench. But I think a do as a bench player there, it gives you a little bit more flexibility. You can exhale if a guard does go down. Because you're right. Wheeler does seem to get banged up here or there. Um, and it's not uncommon for a player that's going to probably play as a physical style of basketball like Wallace. He's probably going to uh, maybe roll an ankle and, and – and, it's nice to have the depth, but I think Kentucky's pretty well. I shouldn't say injury proof, and I'll knock on wood just to be safe, but I think they should be able, if somebody goes down for a month, I think they should be okay. It's not like you just say, well, there goes there goes the good seating because they're going to they're gonna chalk up a lot of losses with so-and-so out. And I think you even think if Oscar were to miss extended time, and we talked about that in hour one, we don't think he is. I was about to say that. You, you get Lance, you get... Damien, you get more Jacob Toppin. I'd love to see more Toppin and Collins playing at the four and five if Oscar is out. And then, you know, I think Uganda has shown that he's a body. He can go out there and play physical and foul, rebound, maybe alter some shots. I don't think you'd want to rely on him offensively just yet. So I think it's pretty, it's pretty depth proof. Again, I'm not testing any higher powers out there, but it's uh, it's a well-constructed roster for sure. The next yeah. thing on the Thorns text line, if we can – uh, well, let's try to get through a few more of these, and we can bring up some other basketball points. Sure there's going to be more of them. If you could have a home and home with one school, who would it be? This may not even be a text for our show. This could have been a Mike Rutherford show text. I don't even know what sport they're talking about. Scoots, any idea? No clue. Yeah, okay. not a, no clue. Uh, let's, it, home and home. It, let's just do football and basketball. In basketball, home and home. Duke. Duke. Yeah. Duke's the obvious, I think. Duke would be a good time. In football, I'd like, you know, it may not work out great for the Cavs, but I'd like I'd like to do a three-year series with Ohio State, one in the Horseshoe, one at the Krogue, and then do one in Cincinnati. I think that'd be a lot of fun for everybody involved. Kentucky very well could come out 0-3 in that series, but any one of those three wins could have a worthwhile impact. So bring me Ohio State in football. Yep. Uh, for me, another one I think it would be fun just because I like I like traveling to that area would be West Virginia. Um, but that I think Ohio State's the answer there as well. 
I think both sports kind of have an obvious answer for me. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool if they did those. Uh, don't think – nobody should be holding their breath, though. A texter says, I actually enjoy Andy Sweeney's show. Must be uh, – must show most of the time. A little typo there. But his UK L hypothetical on Tuesday was so dumb. Dude tries too hard sometimes. That was an example of trying too hard, but Sweeney has fun with social media and he has fun with radio. And at the end of the day, that's what these platforms I think are for. And he likes to get people talking. It's part of his brand. He does a good job of it. And that's what he was doing. But yeah, please, by all means, U of L fans start the normal. It's usually around this time of the year that you all start thinking you have a chance anyways. Um, and if they beat Wake Forest and Kentucky loses to Tennessee, especially if Kentucky loses to Tennessee and U of L beats Wake Forest, they'll start. You'll start to hear some chirps from the birds. You'll start to hear them start to get a little confident for that game. It happens every year, but as long as Kentucky has Will Levis under center, I feel confident in another multi-possession beatdown. Yep, the Louisville uh, that Louisville rivalry, I think, has got a little way to go before it gets back to where we are. I think. Kentucky's going to be better at the main positions in every single area. So I think, and that rivalry has just kind of got that stigma. And I, I think Kentucky is just going to keep rolling with that for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And I think that, I think this year will be closer than the last few years, but that's not really saying much. They've been just total and absolute beatdowns. I could see this game being like, Kentucky's up two possessions in the fourth quarter. Louisville has the ball. If they score, maybe people get a little bit nervous. UofL's got a quarterback issue going on right now, which we don't have the time to talk about today, but maybe we'll push over till tomorrow. Uh, this for, from, those who, for those uh, who wager, the adjusted lines are always good in that rivalry. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I've made a lot of money betting UK against UofL the last few years. This is from Kirby. He says, trying to add Marty Mush article to this text from Twitter – but name someone who has more hit pieces put out per capita than Cal. Really crazy what this dude evokes from people. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really familiar with Marty Mush or Marty Mush. Uh, I, I, that was just a wild headline to say that Cal gets more praise than Coach K, unless he was just trolling, in which case it's actually kind of funny. But, I mean, nobody gets more scrutiny in college basketball than, than Calipari, and nobody got a free pass in college basketball more than Coach K. But good riddance to Coach K, and uh, at the end of the day, if Calipari just wins, people can't really say can't really say squat. Another texter says, "Hey gents, I'm back. Falling off a building and catching yourself halfway is way cooler in the movies. Finally catching up with work and life, and now re-listening to the show again. TJ is a Packers uh, consolation. It's horrific division. My Vikings don't even look good." Congrats, Nick, once he's back. And after going back and listening, sorry, Justin, there's way too much animosity thrown towards your Indiana ties. Keep up the good work. Suck at balls this weekend and go Cats, Rocket City, Rob. RCR could also now be Roush's condiment named Rugrats. Uh, that's a good point, Rocket City, Rob. Rocket City, Rob hadn't texted in since April. I also kind of forgot that he fell off a building. Hope you're doing well. Sounds like you are. Happy to hear from you again. Please don't be a stranger. Definitely don't wait half a year. To, to reach back out and your Vikings are fine. If the Vikings ever just had a decent quarterback, they would probably be competing for Super Bowls. When you have Justin Jefferson, Thielen, Dalvin Cook, I mean, it's a loaded offense. It's just you have a terrible, terrible quarterback, but you're going to win. They finally have some here. good coaching now as well. Yeah. Finally, some decent offensive schemes. They will win the North. I bet them to win the North. Um, it was good value for a team that if it wasn't going to be the Packers, it sure as hell wasn't going to be the Bears or Lions. So it was pretty good, easy bet there. But, 
hate it that it's going to actually happen. An underrated factor that I think is sparking my confidence about Saturday is after getting torched by Mississippi State last year, Brad White was able to fix the game plan to lock them down this year, and now we have no reason to think he can't find a way to slow down Tennessee. The only thing I'd say to that, Dylan, is that that Mississippi State game is just whoever the home team is 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 going to look good, and whoever the away team is is going to look uh, well below average on their season standards. And that has been like to a T for – about almost a decade up to this point. So that's the difference is Tennessee was, they went into Kroger field, had the big offensive game last year, this year, if Kentucky's going to have revenge, you're going to do it on the road and that ain't going to be easy. Yeah. But also Luckett mentioned it last night and I had talked with some friends too. Um, you, he was kind of playing without some personnel. They were, they were pretty rough at corner last year and that's where they got beat over the top. And he was playing with some guys that are young. He had some injuries on the D line. And also, I think Brad Stoops, whenever he's been embarrassed like that, I know that that is a home-and-home home, like situation with Mississippi State, but he usually bounces back, and he kind of takes pride in that. that. Just talking to him after games and stuff, he really takes pride in bouncing back. And I think listening to people talk around the program, I think he, he, he kind of wants revenge. And he, as quiet as he is, he hears the noise of people kind of entrusting him in that. And I, I think Brad White's going to throw all his punches this week. The wife's probably going to roll her eyes hearing me say this, but like the more excited, I'm I'm not too far away from an excitement level in this game to having to get into the car and head down to Knoxville on Saturday. Like, come I'm, on down, I'm, buddy. I got a half open hotel room. You're welcome anytime. That's very nice of you, Dylan. <laughs> but I'm getting pumped up about it for sure. Uh, a texter says, "Cat's going to kick balls ass this weekend. Can I get a come on? Come on. There it is. There it is. Uh, can we get an Avery <laughs> update, Scooch?" A what update? Stephen Avery. No, not today. <laughs> D Lamb would smoke before every game while he was at Kentucky. I, I mean, I, I think people would make that joke. I don't think it was actually based in reality. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's a. I I think that'd be a wide assumption just because of the guy's personality type. It, if, yeah, he, if, if he did, and he didn't, but if he did, like he was a really smooth player, you know, he like he never. Yeah, if it's gonna make him play that smooth, whatever it takes, boys. He was never one that you had to worry about playing too fast or turning the ball over, or really over, you know, doing anything over above just the the norm. He was he was a very steady player. Just sit on the perimeter and and cash out threes. Always fun to watch him. Deron Lamb, one of my favorite all time UK players. Uh, not absolutely one, a walking bucket. Duran Lamb, one of the more underrated players of the Cal era. Just a perfect fit for that 2012 team. I'm going to keep floating it here in case they listen. Lexington deserves a nice new Thorntons. Yeah, go on, Thorntons. Get out. Get get nice new Thorntons all over Lexington like you do Louisville because the ones in Louisville are great. We love Thorntons. A texter says, we play at number three Tennessee Saturday and again talking basketball, SMH. This was a heavy football show, texter. So cry more. It was a heavy football show. Uh, Texter says, caught a few minutes of Vern Troyer's show on 93.9 this morning. The sheriff has now pivoted and saying UofL's defense is dominant now after beating Virginia and Pitt in consecutive weeks. Is there a more delusional media member in the state than the sheriff? Yeah, actually, I think there probably is, but uh, we don't have enough time to get into that. 
Another texter, 502-414-1450 on the Thornton's text line says, John here, good morning to all. Yippee-ki-yay, we have the Cats in action this weekend in football and basketball, freaking awesome. The volunteers will have tears in their eyes when Levis and company pop in their dreams like Freddy Krueger and end any hope of a so-called happy ending to their dream season. I do not like their team colors or dirty, dumb mascot. We are UK, and it's time to be who we think we are. And if you're not down with that, then you know what to do. We'll got to go talk to you later. Great text, John. Getting me all pumped up for Saturday. Yeah, they low down and they some snitches, John. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sit well, that color orange. Uh, inside of a pumpkin-like orange. As of yesterday, CJ was still leading the Heisman in Vegas. CJ plus 100, Hooker plus 200 on draft rings. All right, my bad. I knew Hooker had made a big rise in the Heisman rankings, but he's still not your favorite. My hand up. Uh, Texture says, as a Raiders fan, I do not appreciate bringing Jamarcus Russell back into my memories. Sorry about that. A texter said, oh, that's from Billy Big Blue. What's up, Billy Big Blue? Hey, Scoots, Indiana Tim here. Any idea why TuneIn app plays commercials randomly? That never happens for me on TuneIn. It only seems to happen on some. Yep, same. I responded back to him. I'd re-download the app, try again, make an account. I mean, don't sign, don't pay any money, but like make an account, log in with Facebook or whatever they want you to do, Indiana Tim. I don't know. Maybe that will help. Will Kentucky be the best defense Tennessee has played this year? Dylan, I'll let you answer that one. Uh, yes, I think per scheme it will be. I think Bama's got more dudes. Uh, will Kentucky be – yes, but I think the way the schemes and Brad White's going to match up, I think Kentucky will be the best defense they've played. All right, less than a minute. I don't think the fan base really cares about all the former Kentucky's players doing in the NBA. Do you all agree? I don't think they care how they're really doing, but I think it's a it's a nice recruiting tool. A texter says, Notre Dame yeah. home and home for football would be awesome. Yeah, I'd be all right with that, although South Bend just sucks. Football home and home with Notre Dame. Basketball home and home should always be with UNC. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Also like home and homes with Kansas and basketball. Fog Allen is sweet. Dylan, thank you so much. The call's about to end on us. Thank you for letting me come on, boys. Not trying to be rude. We'll get you back on another time. This is Kentucky Roll Call on Big X Sports Radio. Dylan Ballard, Justin Gaylin, TJ Walker. We'll see you all.